0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Let's do it, Steve.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it. <laughs> we
0: welcome. are doing it. We, we are Derek doing Smith. it. It's being done. And Steve Mix. Let's go. You are now entering uh, the Megacast.
1: we call off and we're back. We are back, la. I'm not here last week, it was your fault, not my fault for once. That was. That was on me. <laughs> Let's go with some videos down Kia Puyallup. Shout out to Kia Puyallup. Yeah. We just spent like a good chunk of our time that we usually record me picking Ted's brain because I'm like, you know, once Sid's car is paid off, which I think is this year. I know, I know it's this year because I thought it was last year and then I came to the harsh realization that I did not time everything right because I've just been looking forward to that car payment being gone because it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, once that's done... I'm probably gonna need a new car because I'm putting on th- I'm putting on serious miles on mine. Yeah, and I'm thinking about getting a Kia. Like, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, look, like that, right? Like, I do commercials for
0: him and stuff. Yeah. but I'm dead serious. I was like, no, Ryan's awesome. His staff's super nice. I was like, if I was in the
1: market, I and lived in the south, like, I would definitely buy a car from there. Yeah, dude. Like, and they're right by me. And it's such a funny thing how these things work because well, I, I mean, I, Kia's. I've always seen them on the road; they're fine. Yeah. But it was like the new logo got me going what's that? That's a cool looking car. And I didn't realize it was a Kia logo. And I'm like, that's a Kia. That's awesome. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's funny yeah. what like kind of gets your eyes to open up. And then I was like, kind of want to get a hybrid car with all the driving I'm doing. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready yet for a full on electric car. All right. But a hybrid. And they have like, they have a couple cool hybrid cars. And I'm like, it man, is. the thought of having something that gets 50 miles to a gallon is just like, I mean, that's like stiffy city right there. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> right dude it's funny they let me like you know drive
0: some of the cars and stuff right so i mean i hadn't been behind the wheel of a car in months and i like drive it around within two minutes of it i'm like this thing's got some pickup can i rag it out they're like no what no
1: (laughs) (laughs) do some donuts in the parking lot let's (laughs) go a lot of space here yeah (laughs) (laughs) they go back to the sales for like look we love ted but he's got a need for speed. And <laughs> Kia is not cool with that. Right?
0: We got to <laughs> calm him down. Like, like, he gets in the car. He's like, oh, I don't know. And then he's like, let's take it off the highway.
1: <laughs> Should I gun it? I right? <laughs> you know it's too fast, too Ted. <laughs> let's, find, right, let's find out what that zero to 60 really is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, just before we get into everything, uh, if you're a fan of the White Stripes and Jack White, uh, the second half of today's podcast. So I don't know. It'll probably be about two minutes from now. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with Jack White. I did this interview a very long time ago, and I forgot that I even oh, did it. Oh, no. It's like over a month ago. I recorded this interview. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, it's not like a year ago. Also- New records are... coming out next month, so if this, it's timing out just right. One of the best shows I've ever been to was with you, and we saw the uh, Rock and Tours. Rock and Tours? Yeah. The, the Rock and Tours, yeah. Rock and Tours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was at the Moore at the Theater. Moore. Yeah. Was that the night that I blew your mind, pointing out how back in the old days of segregation- like uh, uh, black people had to go in through like the 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 like the back alley or something like that up these stairs and the very top of the venue. Right, because we were sitting because we got there late and we're sitting way up top. And then you could look and it was like even all way up our top. And yeah, yeah, that was that was a very warm concert. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> like, body heat, body heat rising. Heat, right, we're up top. We're stone. I was gonna say I think
0: we had just faced like a joint or something before we walked in, and it was so dark. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to find these seats. Oh, it was scary. It wa- All right. Yeah. I remember like I love the concert, but like finding the seats was like I was scared.
1: I'm pretty sure we didn't leave our seats for the rest of the show. We didn't. Because we were scared to try and go. Yeah, I know. Like, like, I'm sure I had to pee. Because we showed up and they were already started. Yeah. And it was just like it's al- it already sucks trying to find your seats when the show's already started and it's dark. But when you're really stoned and it's steep, it's terrifying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I was I was up there for, uh, what was it, the Smash Benefit show. Yes. Right? Like, Taryn was uh, doing some m c n like mm-hmm. Joe's on the board. So, like, in the second half of the concert, like, I got a cocktail. Drew was like, come down here. And I was like, all right. But, yeah, the first half, I was just
1: up there solo. And I was like, oh, God, I hate trying to find a seat <laughs> in the dark in this theater. The worst thing, I think that show, and I always say it's the worst idea. If you're GA, seats should not be involved. I'm pretty sure that was a GA show where you could just grab whatever seat you wanted. It was. And that was just like, why do you guys think that's like, it's like the Spirit Airlines of a concert. Like, oh, we're just going to let a free for all. Just grab whatever seat you want. So there's all these like random one seats that are empty. And you're asking someone, "Can, can you move down one seat so the two of us could sit together? Yeah. It was so annoying. Yeah, everybody wants the two sweaty stone guys sitting next to him. <laughs> and we're using everybody's shoulder as our, like, banister. Uh, like, s- no, s- excuse me, me. Excuse me. Yeah. Everyone's getting a left shoulder massage. Sorry. Does oh, that feel good? Cool.
0: <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it
1: wasn't like an insane night.
0: It was like a night, But literally, yeah. right, we used the smoke. Like, literally, we smoked weed, walked in there. And it's
1: like pitch darkness. Start with a slow song. We're we're never getting these seats. But the concert was. uh, It was awesome. Yeah. Jack White's. I even told him, like, I mean, obviously I did the interview already. And it's funny because you have this preconceived notion because Jack's an eclectic dude. And like, you know, in the past I've seen interviews where he could be kind of difficult. He's not a jerk. He's just kind of in his own world. All right. Man, I was so nervous for this. Because the White Stripes are one of my all-time favorites. Jack White, like, if, if, if you were to ask me to put together, like, a dream band, Jack White would be my guitarist. All right. And I love the dude. I love his music. I'm a big fan. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan. It's harder to interview the person. Sure. Because it's Farley, bit. Like, remember when you did that? That was, and I did do that a lot in this interview. Like, remember when you played in Olympia with the white stripes? That was cool. <laughs> it no, you're 100% right. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying because you just, you, 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 it's like you want to tell them everything about how much you love the band, but you have 10 minutes to do it. And you also want to still serve the fans of the band and not just be this.
0: You just don't want to be a fanboy.
1: Yeah, but you become that. Yeah. Yeah, but it, dude, he's, he's a rad dude. I got a spoiler alert. The right. dude is awesome. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> no. no spoilers, Steve. He answers questions about his band. He talks about Seven Nation Army being an anthem for college sports. Oh, my God.
0: It is unbelievable. I, I think it's amazing, right? Because originally it was that, uh, that EDM duo. So they Is that had punk? no, 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 no. no. They're not. A, they were like before all that stuff got really famous. So okay. they had a stadium anthem that was close to it. Oh, okay. and then somehow over time, from like the terraces and soccer stadiums, it switched over to college. And somehow, like the white stripes, right? But it's that same like. Bum, 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 I, I, if bum, I can bum, remember that song, if you heard the EDM song, you know it. Yeah, I want to say it's think. something five thousand, but not Power Man. Some, uh, I watched this whole like hour long special on it, and they weren't sports fans, so they didn't like.
1: it. But back in the day, it was like a, it was like a no no. Well, even in, you'll hear it in the interview later. Uh, but then he talked about how it became a hit in in soccer. Yeah, and that was when he first caught, caught wind of it, and then he realized that oh my gosh, this is crazy when like high school marching band com- like committees were reaching out to them to get the like the, the music notes for it, so they could perform it properly. Oh yeah, marching bands do it all the time. Yeah, it's such a cool song. It's like one of those songs where the hook is not anything to do with the vocals. No. You know what I mean? It's like, just a good song. The chorus is not the hook. It's just bomb 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 And everyone can do it. Everyone I love it when the whole crowd's like, oh, ho oh, oh, oh. yeah. Somebody cool. will email us. Great. Right, Cause
0: I I've had this argument with people. They're like, it's seven like I'm like, now it is, but it started with this other EDM crew.
1: I'm trying to I, I can't you know that song. I'm, i I know the funny thing is I'm I, I barely can know what you're talking about but whenever i'm trying to think of how the beat goes and how the song goes i instantly go into seven nation army i'm with you how do we spell anthems a-n-t-h-e-m i think all right anthem yeah oh now now we gotta find out bear with us we'll find it it's all right i could talk and do this all right that's fair um trying to think of anything else that's going on before we get to the ted talk well there's some sad news going on steve there is sad news well, the Taylor Hawkins stuff was pretty sad. You're a drummer. Yeah. Yeah, just brutal. Dude, so, uh, you know, let's quickly get into that, because I don't know if you, I, you might have saw my tweet. That tweet was unbelievable. That tweet blew, so it was Friday night, I see people posting about Taylor Hawkins, and then I find out that he passed away, like Kraft. everybody did. All right, Kern Craft 400, that was the band. Kern Craft 400? Yeah. Now I want to see if I could See what the song sounds like before we get to. Television. I know. Sorry, I shouldn't no, talk no, no. over the sad part. K E R N. Uh, oh, you got it. Yeah, I got it. You just put up on the. Just, I gotta skip an ad, Steve. That's fine. Well, let's play the ad. You know, we're we're a very commercial podcast. Oh, maybe. Now it sounds like you're just playing a video game in the basement. I know, well,
2: Ted. It's, it's EDM, so it takes a minute. Pong. Yeah. Right. So that was like the massive. We hear this
1: at uh, Mariners games a lot. Yeah. That and uh, the the clap your hands song. Right. So I don't know when that switch started, but yeah, it's definitely all white stripes now. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So Taylor Hawkins, Friday. I see the word devastating. Like, I mean, just a big fan of the band, obviously. Yeah. um, Just wasn't expecting that, and then you find out what happened, and it's just tragic. It's like you know, even though you think a guy's been good for twenty years, it just takes that one relapse. And they always say when someone relapses, and I'm just speculating, obviously, but you hear about these these overdoses. Sometimes guys attempt to still keep up with what they once were doing, and that's what right. That's kind of what took out like Mother Lowbones Andrew Wood and other people as well. Isn't that always the the thing with Sid Vicious? Yes, yeah, because it's like okay, I'm cleaned up. Oh, I want to do my favorite drug again. I'm going to do just as much as I used to do, but your body's not ready for that. No. And your tolerance goes way down. Right. So I was just like sitting there, Sid's asleep and I'm just kind of like just dwelling on it. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, man. And then it hit me. I'm like, I did an interview with that guy. I wonder if that's still on YouTube. Like I just didn't know. So I go look on YouTube and I find it and I'm watching it and I'm just like, and I already knew. I was like, I remember I was like, man, I had, that was like one of my all time favorite interviews because it was storing such a a crappy time in my <laughs> life. Breaks that it came at the best time ever, and in a weird, inadvertent way. Taylor, Sw- Taylor Smith, Smith, Taylor Swift. I'm about to say, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins helped me get through a breakup of a girlfriend that I was pretty. I mean, it was a long-term relationship, four years together, and she and you know we ended it. Well, she she dumped me in and moved out that day that I did the interview with Taylor Hawkins. Ugh. and I remember like I, I was I was planning on going to a Foo Fighters show. The breakup and the the leaving all happened on that day, and I'm like not going to a Foo Fighters show. Which, what year is this? Is this like 07? It's like 13, 14 years ago. It's right, it, 14 years ago, I think. All right. So I, I can't do the math. All right. So I get a call from, I believe it might have been Jolene, uh, or maybe it was Dave. I don't even know. It might have been Castle, saying, hey, you have an opportunity to interview Taylor Hawkins. You just have to get down here. when." And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, not, I can't do this. But then in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't stay at home. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to go do the interview. I didn't have any way to rec- grab recording equipment because of traffic coming from Linwood and all this crap. So I was like, I'll grab one of those, Remember those crappy old like flip cams, those cameras. I knew, as soon as I saw it, I knew exactly what it was. Yeah, like that yeah. white square thing that had a USB port so you could instantly put it in the computer. So I'm like, going to use that as the microphone. Yep, it's it's that girl. All right. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I also very much remember that show because
0: I had a date to go to that show mm-hmm. and she bailed. Yeah. So that I was there alone and like ran into Barnsey and then, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "My date bailed."
1: What are the odds? Both of us are dealing with like you know girls just dicking us over. <laughs> so I go to do the interview. And I remember, I'm trying, dude, I'm trying to have a good interview with this guy, but it's a struggle and it's nothing that he's doing wrong, but it was like a weird thing. Like he had barely enough time to do it. He was in the middle of eating like a pre-show meal. All right. And do you remember what he was eating? It looked like, it was like a pasta. That's what I
0: thought. Okay. Yep. All, All right. right. Yep. I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> I watched that video Friday night. a tortellini type pasta. And I'm pasta. sad, but I'm like. I think he's eating pasta. Yeah, it wasn't spaghetti. It All was right. like a tortellini type pasta. Right, so a pasta, different yeah. from spaghetti. Yes.
1: That's very good. <laughs> we're trying to
0: bring this up, but people, we need to stop confusing the terms. Go
1: ahead, Steve. <laughs> so anyways, we're doing the interview, and it's fine, but its it, I'm sure he's like, this guy is just not, like, I was just not focused. You know what I mean? It's hard to be focused. Thinking about, so finally I just point blank said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm having a tough time with this interview, and the reason is, girl I've been with for X amount of years, just uh, ended the relationship and moved out today. A- and he's just like, oh! <laughs> and it was so funny because a lot of people have commented even on the old YouTube, and I, it was fun to read the comments because I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cringy." Like people are gonna like crap on me like, dude has a chance to interview Taylor Hawkins and the Foo Fighters and all he wants to do is talk about his ex-girlfriend. But like everyone's just like, how cool is this interview? And one person even said, I don't know if it was on YouTube or Twitter, they're just like, Taylor Hawkins, eating throughout the entire interview. Interviewer, I think they called me a journalist, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Journalist mentions he just got dumped. Taylor goes into bro mode, puts down the pasta, and talks to him. It was—I mean, that was bro code at a high level. And he gave me some of the best advice. It was great, and I have the audio of it so people could hear it in case you didn't get to hear it uh, or, or see it on my Twitter. But the crazy—I I gave you a retweet too. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's the crazy part. I put it up on Friday night. I found it. I clipped it. I trimmed it down because it's like a good five minutes of life advice from Taylor Hawkins. So I grabbed like more of him and less of me. Yeah, I felt like that's what people want to hear. Sure, uh, and as do I because it's just I always in general, but especially Friday. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the roasting starting oh, already. Hey hey yo, and. I instantly started, and I made, dude, it's so funny, like how, like, you know what I always say, when you try and make something go viral, it won't, but when you're not trying, that's when it does. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point. I didn't hashtag it. I made it a point not to tag anybody. I wasn't trying to get outside views. I was like, this is something that I'd like to have out there for myself, because it'd be nice to look back on, because it was such a cool moment. And I also was like, listeners of the station, I think, will appreciate this. Sure. Quote, unquote, fans, people who follow me on Twitter, my friends and other people, I think they'll really appreciate what was going on. Remember that. And here's like video proof of it. I was like, this is just something cool to share with the people that are close ish to me on my my Twitter world. Dude, within moments, I'm like, it's got a thousand views. It's getting like, I'm watching the likes just scrolling and scrolling, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. I go to bed, I wake up the next day, and I'm like, it has over a hundred thousand views. It's now over two hundred thousand. It's got like ten thousand plus likes, and my mentions. That's crazy, dude. My mentions. I was like, is this what it's like to be a celebrity? Like, because if it is, I don't want that. It was so (laughs) much. It was overwhelming. It was cool, but then like people who I don't know from all over the world are sharing their heartfelt stories. About being heard about Taylor, like I'm like they're sounding board because they're just sharing it on my page, right? Which was kind of cool, but also kind of heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Because like it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Did You finally turn them off? I didn't. I was. Oh. It was like I was a sucker for the to watch it grow. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. Um, the the cra- then there's people who are like, hey dude, I don't know you, but I hope that you did find love. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so weird now, <laughs> right? Because this is 13, 14 years removed. There's zero emotion about that breakup anymore like life moved on because I figured that's exactly what it was I
0: was like I was at that show Yeah. I know what was going on in our lives at the time and it's it is kind of funny because
1: he described perfectly what ends up happening he nails it and that's why I'll play it but like legit he'll say in this your next relationship probably gonna be the one you marry and he was right and he's like, you know, you're gonna probably try and bang a bunch of girls before you find that girl. And he was right, <laughs> he was right. So here's Taylor Hawkins finding out that my relationship just ended the day I'm doing this interview, like hours before, and it just goes into a full-on like he's one of our dudes, and he's just like, man. I'm gonna sit, unlike one of our old friends who, oh my god, who did the exact opposite of what Taylor Hawkins did. Like that's what he should have been doing. Yeah, exactly.
0: Instead of just saying, "No, get over it."
1: So and I loved being able to share this because I was like, it just illustrated to me. I was like, this clip illustrates just how genuine of a human being the guy was, and that seems to be the overriding theme from a lot of people that have been sharing their thoughts that knew Taylor and I didn't know him. I had one interview, but right. like everybody's talking about how he was just like this selfless, loving, genuine dude. And you'll in two minutes of this clip, I think you'll you'll witness it. And we'll pause it if you want. But like here's uh, here's Taylor Hawkins giving me love advice.
3: Are, are you okay with your chick like Bailing? Or are you pretty bummed about it? It was pretty because devastating. Right now think of all the other chicks you get to nail now. That is a good point. Was the sex hot? It was Awesome. Oh, oh yeah. Well, goddamn.
1: <laughs> the best part is right there is where he decides. I'm putting the pasta down. He got up. I don't say and when he like, gets up. Well, goddamn. Right, and the funny thing is, because when it starts, you think he's just going to
0: give you a speech about, like, we'll go bang a bunch of chicks. Right. No, there's knowledge. But there's more.
3: (laughs) That's that's a whole other issue right there. And you know you're going to go through, like, now you're going to look, you're going to be that guy for the next couple months, and you're going to be, like, wanting to get uh, laid so bad.
1: And he was absolutely right. I was reaching out to every girl from my previous life, like, hoping that they'd be, like, willing to come to Slamtown. And all of them said no. Was that the period we did the Black Keys? The Black Crows. Black clothes, Crows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Black Keys we would have gone to. Black Crow season.
3: Yeah. going to be that guy at the bar. It's going to be obvious. Yeah, it's yeah. obvious. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's like then, my- then all of a sudden, you're going to go through this rejuvenation mm-hmm. period where you're just, just <laughs> you know, having sex with lots of different women, right. using condoms, mm-hmm. of course, and then being a, a good... Lots of
1: ladies were commenting on how they appreciated that he was like, hey, it's very nice. Strap that he, up. Yeah. He, he told you to be responsible and consensual.
3: Upstanding, responsible person, and you're going to be like, "Wow, this is amazing! This is the best time of my life! It's like my twenties again!" <laughs> but, but you're, but you also will be looking for the one the whole time. Yeah. But at the time before I met my wife, um, there was like a, a year period where I was um, a bachelor. It was the best. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: the, but... Yeah. Bachelor Taylor is a lot different than Bachelor Steve, for, for sure. <laughs> Right. I mean, he's in the Foo Fighters.
3: But the thing is, the whole time I was still like, looking for the one, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you get married and you go god damn, that was fun <laughs> and, and enjoy this time period because yeah. you will find another girl and mm-hmm. she will move in and quite possibly this one will be the one that you marry right. you know, and you'll have days when you'll look over at her and you'll go god you know god i remember when i was killing it nailing all these different chicks and that's over <laughs> now and i'm just i'm married now so, I love and there's be lot- that's not true at all <laughs> lots of times you're going to be like this is the best thing ever mm-hmm. you know and uh, and it is the best thing ever but she wasn't the right one yeah no you're Which right she wasn't the one this is just hilarious how did it go from an interview well, to way more important this is you're talking right. about far more you're important everybody knows about just the just Foo Fighters Foo Fighters go on the internet go on YouTube <laughs> you find out all you need to know about the damn Foo Fighters from now on i in relationship We're problems relationships I'm, I'm contacting Taylor <laughs> hey man it's a real pleasure <laughs> to talk to you well let ask oh, me a few more questions I
1: don't want yeah.
0: Yeah. That's all right,
3: I'm bored. Let's go. All right, well, then let's talk. What else? You guys
1: played Wembley Stadium. You know, that's the crazy part, because they get a label person like, you got to wrap it up. Yeah. And then he's just like, he looked, he like waved them off and was just like, no, no, no. And we talked for like 10 more minutes about like Wembley Stadium, Foo Fighters stuff. And it was, just, then we were like buddies at that point. Like the interview was just so cool and so chill. But like, I genuinely attribute that moment to helping me. I mean, I would have got over that relationship regardless, but it was like, th- he helped me get through the toughest day of the breakup—it's
0: brutal, right? And like, I mean, I've been through it and stuff, and it's like, right? When your heart's broken, like, I, man, I don't want to sound like a bitch, but it's hard to—it's hard to turn on microphones and try to make people laugh. Yes, because <sighs> you're just crushed inside. Yeah, every song you hear reminds you of something of them. Nothing's or- funny. Right, I mean, I remember one girl breaking up with her, and I couldn't even hear a commercial for like, like, like a, a, what was it, Papa Murphy's, because that was right. our thing, we'd get Papa
1: Murphy's together. And it's always, those things just come up to the <laughs> forefront, right. or if you take a call and it's a girl, you don't even care, you're like, you sound like, a, you sound like her, you're you're probably just a bitch that's going to break up with somebody, aren't you? Right, and or, like, every oh, that's
0: ca- not nice. or every caller that has her name, you know what I mean, you're like on guard for a couple weeks.
1: Right, and someone calling out, is she going to yell at me? Do I, <laughs> did she not get everything from the house? <laughs> Yeah, dude. And that's the crazy part though, Mike. I always hoped that I would get another interview with Taylor. I never like actively pursued it, but like it was like one of those things where I'm like, if I ever get to chat with him again, I'd want to play that clip and be like, Look, I'm sure you don't remember me. You probably do a lot of interviews. There might be a chance you might remember me if I like re you know, jog your memory. And play this clip. And it would have been cool to be able to be like, dude, everything you said was so, it, that was the greatest advice. Like, honestly, like if I knew somebody that was going through a breakup, I'm probably just gonna send them that video clip and be like, this right here is the truest way to deal with a relationship ending.
0: Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It is. Trust me, man. I, I was sitting on my couch because I didn't do nothing Friday night. Yeah. I, you know I me, mean, probably watching some kind of sport. Yeah, and I checked Twitter, and then you were, like, one of the first ones I saw, and I was like, right? Then I texted you right after
1: that, I was just like, man, this is unbelievable. It was unreal, dude. And watching it grow, and then the next day, I'm like, I'm in my notifications, and I got a, a a message from Kathy Griffin, the comedian. Oh, really? Yeah. and just said, thank you. And I'm Jeez. like, what is it? Th-? And then I look, and it's based off, she's thanking me from that that video, and I know, like, she's, I guess, a huge fan. I don't know if they were friends or there's, like, a connection, but, like, it was cool knowing that... In a weird way, there was one troll, of course. Yeah. The one person was just like, how could you put this how up How could there? you put this up? Like, um, what if his wife and kids see it? Aren't, uh, how are you going to make them feel? And then goes into this long thing about how genuine and good of a guy Taylor was. He was more than just a musician. And I'm like,
0: no, That's S. the point. This video is... And you had already commented that he knew I was going to post this.
1: Yes. And that was uh, someone else was like, that's not cool that you secretly videoed him. I'm like, I didn't. Like, he saw the video camera. It was in my hand like a microphone or I was like tilted up. And yeah, I kind of, I kept it tilted towards him because as the interview went on, he's looking at himself in the camera. Yeah. Like he's uh, not looking at himself in the camera. I'm sorry. But he's looking at the camera. And then at the end, I even asked him. Not on video, of course, but like I I remember being like, because I wouldn't have posted, I'd be afraid that the label would be like, take that S down. But I was like, yeah. hey, is it cool if I use post a video as well? And he's like, I don't give an F. He's like, that's totally fine. That was just a label overthinking it. Right. And it, it's
0: hard to explain to people, right? Because we do a lot of interviews before shows. Mm-hmm. And like generally not not that like like sometimes bands just don't want to do it because they're either getting ready for a show or just finished performing. But every once in a while, you get those interviews like that or, like, I would say when we were interviewing Chad Smith where they're just, like, super cool and just, like, for whatever reason, they just actually want to chat a little bit. Right. They're having fun. And both of those interviews, I would say, have the same thing that, like, I'm not
1: positive with Chad Smith. We really talked about Chili Peppers. No, we just were being goofs. Right. But I remember him too. Like, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple more minutes. Yeah, like he waved off the label person. And I get it. That's their job. And there's going to probably be times where the interview is going so bad and painful for the celebrity that they look at their label person like, when are you going to give me the Iggy? Like, to get out of here? Like, when are you going to signal, like, the end this interview? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, before we take a break, we have to
0: be inspired.
2: Talks, starring.
0: I'm glad we got to share that clip though man that, yeah. that, that it was awesome dude when I saw Friday night I was like that's unbelievable I couldn't believe that that went so viral like well, I couldn't believe it that goes into the TED talk today time and place mm-hmm. uh you never know where you'll be and sometimes uh we have to learn discretion is a little bit is the is something of valor right like basically like you could pull somebody aside and talk to them you don't mm-hmm. have to smack them Yeah, and Um, like for you, that was a bad, terrible thing you were going through. But time and place, you had a special moment with Taylor Hawkins. Right, right, right. So time and place is a huge thing. I, I,
1: I'm just saying, like, look, I'm guilty of it. Like we all are, but like that, yeah. Just it's funny you bring that up. Take
0: a breath sometimes
1: because I'm dealing with that. In a, I'll try and be vague because I don't want to like a situation I've been in wrestling where it didn't go as well as it uh, wanted to, and the guy that I did it with is like subtly like joking about almost making it seem like it was my fault. And it was like one of those situations where a certain thing didn't go right because the both of us didn't do something right. All right. But also he did something prior to it that knocked the wind out of me. And that's the reason why I wasn't able to perform on the level of, for that next move. And I, I, like, I'm, not, I'm trying to keep it so vague because I believe in professional wrestling that you're not only a professional in the ring, but you're also a professional outside of the ring in that you don't expose the magic. Like, I I do believe in that. Like, I know we joke about it and we all will say, oh, yeah, we're fake fighting each other or whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, I don't want to expose the magic for people who don't know what it's like. But when somebody keeps, like, doing not so, like, subtle shots, you just want to be like, mother effer, like, you hit me in a spot that was very unsafe and I couldn't breathe and that's why I wasn't able to do my thing. Right. And, like, I'm going to see him soon. And I almost, like, if he continues it, time and place... I don't want to take it out on. I don't want to do it on social media, but I'm going to pull him inside and be like, "Yo, right? Here's what's up." Exactly. As opposed to slapping him on social media. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's upset. I'm, I'm guilty of it too, but. Yeah,
0: time and place. I mean, a lot of things in life just just add up that way.
1: I know you got to run. Yeah. Uh, because you have a meeting and all that. We got Jack White after this uh, break, but... Um, I didn't say much. You know, you were doing a good job, so I was just like, I'm just going to let Steve run with this one. Right, right. Ted was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ted, Ted was just kind of grooving. Yeah. You'll hear him in the background. I was passing notes to Steve. Yeah, yeah. He wrote the questions. <laughs> Ted lost his voice when we did this, actually. That was what uh, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Everybody's losing their voice around here. Yeah, Castle lost it. Jesus,
0: man. We get... he sounded horrible for But I know he doesn't feel that bad, but I was like, damn, dude. What the hell
1: is he doing to himself?
0: I don't know. I saw him on Friday before I left, and I was like, Oh, you all right? Yeah, it's just my voice. I can't talk.
1: Well, Ted also lost his voice when we interviewed. Oh, yeah, Jack yeah. White. That yeah, happened yeah. too. I, yeah.
0: I caught it from Ryan. Yeah, yeah. It's contagious. Losing.
1: Take a break. We'll come back with Jack White. Um, and Just for the record,
0: you can respect what somebody's done and recognize their accomplishments
1: and still hate them. The hell with Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cancel concerts, too, and go see the show. Eric <laughs> <Harry> Church. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I,
0: I'm like, yeah, I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> Not that I would do it. Not that I've ever taken a day of vacation to go watch Maryland play in the opening round of the tournament of in Spokane. <laughs>
1: I just love it in his statement. He goes, I'm going to stand tall with my family. I'm like, you're not standing against like racism. You're standing <laughs> against tall against to your go fans. to a basketball game against... Yes. Dude, I almost took off last Friday to go watch the, the women's Maryland team as they Spokane. Well, I would never do something <laughs> self-serving. Uh, I, I'm off to Texas tomorrow morning, so got a couple days off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Going to be wrestling on Saturday. If you live in Texas in Arlington, I'm going to be at the Knights of Columbus, I think. Oh, nice. Wrestling Levi Shapiro at Texas Mania. I learned to swim at the Knights of Columbus. All right. Well, he's going to learn to drown, (laughs) brother. (laughs) All right. We'll be back with Jack White. Well, one of us will. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Have a good weekend. All right, man. See you, dude.
2: Ted and Steve need to take a break so that they can release the Kraken. First, there was Lego tape and now get ready for Lego condoms safe sex Just got a whole lot more fun and creative just attach the Lego condom around your toy Then give her the female Lego parts and click they go together take them apart and put them back together again And again and again Lego condoms fit perfectly They're even ribbed for extra pleasure. Lego Condoms comes complete with wheels, window, movable parts, and hundreds of extra bricks in case you need to build a bigger toy and enhance your experience. Lego Condoms brings a whole new meaning to playtime. These two guys are proof that they'll just let anyone do a podcast. The Megacast is back.
1: All right, he's got a couple records that are coming out. Also, coming to Climate Pledge Arena on June 8th. One of my absolute favorite artists. You know him from the White Stripes, the Tours, Dead Weather. Also solo stuff as well. Two solo records just right around the corner. It's my pleasure to welcome to the megacast, Jack White. Jack, hello. Hey, hey! Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate you taking a few minutes out. And uh, I just read in congratulations, number one Billboard Alt Active Rock charts. A uh, first for you as a solo artist, and that's pretty dang cool.
2: Not bad, not bad. Um, you know, uh, it's it's wild because I don't know. You just you just kind of think when you're recording and writing a song, you kind of don't really maybe don't think about that too much. But so when it actually comes out and it gets played that way, people are receptive to it. It's it's like wow, that actually that actually works once in a while, and people listen to it on the on their drive home or whatever. So that's that makes me feel good about it that the strong that the songs have some power to. Them.
1: I've been a fan of yours forever, and so this this will, will be a mix of me asking you questions and probably just randomly blurting out compliments about how much I'm a fan of what you've done. <laughs> but as a fan, like you know, sometimes you get very like possessive of an artist. So when you put out something new, you're like, I hope the other fans like it. And then you know, when you put out "Taking Me Back," and when I first heard it, I stopped. I'm like. First of all, I'm like, oh my gosh, like Goosebump City. And then when I got to see the response from other fans and and other music heads and people were just like, my gosh, it's like, uh, there's just like this, like, just something really special about this song. It might be my favorite Jack White song. And I'm reading all these great comments. It was just like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, like, it's not really so much a question, but more so just like it's awesome when the artists that you're a fan of still put out awesome stuff.
2: Oh, thanks for saying that, man. That that feels great. I I, I was saying that to uh, some people in our camp that recently, I was like, it's just wild. Like that 20 years later that people would, you know, still pay attention to some of the stuff that you put down on tape that, that you, you just don't know. We know, when the White shirts first got accepted to people in the mainstream, we were just shocked. People like this strange music that we make. I mean, <laughs> we thought nobody would maybe just, you know, a few people in the garage rock world and, and like playing in bars and stuff would be interested. But we didn't think anything above that. So still to this day, it's, it dumbfounds me that it's, it connects with people at times. I, I guess there's there's some common ground there.
1: It's crazy as a fan like them thinking about like White Stripes playing like a small place like the Sit and Spin in Seattle back when that place existed to then. Yeah, I remember
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Dude, I remember like, my my all-time favorite shows still to this day when people ask me a favorite show. I, remember, I I think it was it was probably like 2001, 2002, I think. You played the Capitol Theater in Olympia and I will always say I'm like I felt like I was at a church and your your guitar was the pastor and it was just like we oh, were all wow, just wow. It was like that—that that perfect mix of the crowd. I mean, the, you sounding great, both of you up there sounding amazing, and then the crowd was just giving it right back. It was there was just something yeah. really special about that night.
2: Those were uh, some of our favorite places to play. I, kn- I knew we had like from from Seattle, you know, it was it like Seattle and Eugene and Olympia, mm-hmm. uh, and then down to San Francisco. Like that—that that stretch was always great. Crowds early on for us, like wow, incredibly how much people just really love music in that whole area. That whole zone of, of the of the country we thought wow it's just great because you you, you kind of hope that you hope that you go to these other towns you've never been to before and that people will be cool or there'll be something interesting or there'll be some common ground like i mentioned before and and we definitely got it up there man yeah i'm glad that you were at that show that's great i, I haven't thought about that show in a while
1: oh such a fun show I, I mean, you mentioned that like this might be a silly question but for a lot of us your music hits lyrically it'll hit in like a special place like you can connect to it uh, you feel emotions in the music that you put out there but so i know you feel those emotions about your songs but when did you realize that other people were feeling and connecting to the music that you were putting out.
2: We were uh, on tour with Slater Kinney in 2000, I think it was. And uh, I think we had two albums we had done. And, you know, we never got any offers from major labels or anybody interested in us or anything like that. And, and uh, us being on Slater Kinney tour, I was like, wow, that's really nice that we're able to do that. That's really cool for us to be able to get in front of some other crowds. And we showed up the first day uh, and there was another two-piece band from Olympia called uh, COCO. And I thought, oh no, it's like a gimmick. They, they want to have two. <laughs> they want to have two two piece bands with both have a boy and a girl. And then, like, I see what they're doing. Okay, we didn't know that. Maybe we wouldn't have signed up for it. So I was apprehensive at first, but then I, you know, I grew to love. Uh, 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 and, and, uh, wonderful, and we became friends. And, and uh, it was. We, we realized halfway through that tour, wow, people are really digging this, you know. And we got to New York and wow, the response that people were giving our band as a warm-up band was really interesting. I thought, this is wild. And then it gave us the opportunity to come back on our own. That was about the time where I thought, wow, things are just starting to get interesting here.
1: That's really cool. Speaking of a couple of records, a couple of new records coming out. And I want to get inside your mind of, so you have Fear of the Dawn, which has Taking Me Back, which complete rocker of a song. And then you have Entering Heaven Alive, which has uh, Love is Selfish, which has such an, an incredible vibe and real chill yeah. vibe to it. Both of those records are coming out, not at the same time. They're like three months apart, Fear of the Dawn, April 8th, and then Entering right. Heaven Alive on July 22nd. I just want to hear the story behind having A, two records come out around the same time, but also making sure that they don't come out at the same time, but months apart.
2: There was, uh, you know, I I'd just been written, ended up writing a lot of different songs, and I was just wondering what was going to happen with them. I, I've always felt that people don't really respond well to double albums. Mm-hmm. It always feels like it's a, a knee-jerk reaction to sort of say, oh, there's tons of filler on this. You know? right. uh, so I, I kind of like, well, that's a little bit dangerous to do that. I thought, well, maybe I'll put one out this coming year and then put one out a year later. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that either because... I might not be excited about those tracks by the time I get to, you know, two years from now after they were written, uh, as, as far as like getting into rehearsing and wanting to do a version of them live and all that I might be like, Oh damn, that's, I've already moved on to something else now. So I thought, why don't we just put them all out on the same day? Let's do that. And then we found out since this is what happens when you own a pressing plant, you find out that there's no possible way we could press all those records to come out on the same day. We would, uh, have to hook up a you know nuclear reactor to the pressing plant machine <laughs> to make this make it occur. So so we thought the the best uh, solution was let's space them apart by a couple months, and that'll really make everything even out. So is that pressing?
1: You you're speaking more of, uh, on the, on the vinyl end because I hear it takes oh, a while yeah. to get the vinyl done.
2: Yes, uh, the vinyl pressing, like uh, you know, third band records, we we own our own pressing plants. So, but even we have to get in line. You know, there's there's components like right. the record sleeve, the metal work that have to be made that that are you know eight months. A waiting period for them, and you have to really get things in early to try to make it all make sense. So it's it's funny because I'm on a I'm on a new one man campaign that will will turn into a multi person campaign that of trying to get the major labels to really finally invest in building their own vinyl record pressing plants again, Mm -hmm. like they used to have back in the day. I think there's too much burden on the independent record pressing plants, like the one that I own in detroit and I, and I think it's time for them to really pony up and spend i don't know one tenth of one percent of their billions of dollars to actually <laughs> help this problem i i hate to bother them with this but right you know
1: dude you're right though because there's been a few times where i've all like paid like pre-ordered things on vinyl and then the bands will put out something saying hey we're really sorry it's going to be another like eight months just for that yeah. very reason because they're just trying to get this stuff kicked out but you know it, it takes a while to make uh make vinyl and you know you don't realize that when you're when you're ordering something like oh okay i'll I'll wait as long as it takes i want to hear it on vinyl because i love i still like i talk about that with my friends like it's just something special about i feel more invested to listen to a record when it's on vinyl because i'm sitting there you know you know in 15 or so minutes you got to flip it it's not it's not like wallpaper in the background like you're actually invested in paying attention to now having a, a kid, I have a two year old and I'm like trying to like already get her into that mindset, although she'll start the record player so there's no record is on there. And I get freaked out because I'm like, you're scratching the needle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's wonderful that another generation, again, is now embraced it. And, yeah. and what's, it's so reverential. It's reverential to the art of music. And, and it's so cool to see kids involved in that. Now again, I, I'm just so excited about that. We're just all preaching that same gospel of this is this is reverence to music. It's not throwaway. It's not digital. It's not throwing it away like it's disposable or fast forwarding or skipping past right. it. It's it's being really a part of it. It's like a movie theater with the doors closed and the lights turned off. Hundred percent. You're you're dedicated to it, and that's great. You know that's what music deserves.
1: When I first heard "Taking Me Back," I was like, man, once again, Jack. I don't know where he finds the musicians that he plays with, but I'm a drummer, so and I'm I'm a firm believer in the drummers should serve the song. Do anything crazy. Like, I just love when you you really like lock in with a good drummer. Yeah. And you always, whether it's with Meg or Rack and Tours or Dead Weather, like it's always been something I always like. Obviously, pay attention to your guitar playing. I love it. But like, as a drummer, I always geek out. I'm like, man, that's such a tasteful drum part right there. And then I find out you're the guy playing the drums on this song. And I'm like, gosh, that's amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well that, that thank you for saying that, that I, I didn't I didn't plan to do that with that song I just started uh, playing the, the guitar and then the bass and then uh, I said well I'll put it down a temporary drum beat and just loop it maybe and then I got behind the kid and started playing like oh shoot I might as well, I might as well just play it <laughs> and um, yeah so that's the first time I've really done this on a record play all the instruments on songs and uh, I've, I've never really thought it was a good idea I thought maybe yeah, it's going to lose some soul it's better to have other human beings in the room and yeah, call up Daru or call up Patrick and see if we can get some some soul to happen in the room here. And But uh, uh, several of these tracks ended up being that way. They kind of ended up kind of these late night things where I was like, I, just, I think I'll just do it myself. It'll be quicker. And I actually, well, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I did that because that's kind of where all these come from. At the end of the day, I started off as a drummer in music. And that's mm-hmm. what I, my whole title, that's all I wanted to be was a drummer. I didn't care at all about the guitar. So... I just kind of end up playing guitar because I because it was nobody else I could play with. I, I couldn't find people to play, I couldn't find people to record and 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 play along with. So I ended up just doing it myself out of that need. And so you kind of always come back to that. You find you know people like Eddie Van Halen and Dick Dale and, and folks like that started off as drummers. And you really, I really think it's the smartest thing yep. for musicians. You have those rhythms inside of you. You have a, a, an idea of how it's going to be put across with a live band too, from the get go. As soon as you play a, a riff on a guitar.
1: I think even uh, Chris Cornell started on the drums with Soundgarden.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that. I'll have to, i have to ask about that. Uh, Eddie, I'm, I'm uh, friends with uh, Eddie Vedder a little bit and mm-hmm. he, he talks so fondly about I have to ask him about, uh, Chris's drumming
1: speaking of drummers you daru i don't understand how he's even able to play the drums with the way he has his drum set up if anyone's i think they've yeah. seen it maybe in some
2: I've, he he has them tilted away from him and no I, I sit behind this kid and try at times and it's like man you just he's just this he's the most unique drummer happening right now and there's nobody like him he, he you he, nobody it's almost like a, he's got his own padlock on his bicycle you know you, you nobody can sit behind the kit and play it you know so why would you steal it you you it's his it's only his. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's so true for those that don't know, like he has the drum heads pretty much facing away from him, and the way he works his wrists and and it's effortless. It doesn't even look like it's it's just that's just the way he plays it. It's it's pretty amazing, and he's such an incredible drummer too. So I'm I'm excited that he'll be there. With your band on June 8th over at the Climate Pledge Arena, when you guys come to town, that's going to be an awesome show. Quite a, a jump from, like I said, the old sit-and-spin Capitol Theater days to now playing our big arena yes.
2: here in Seattle. Yeah, I'm excited to see that room because I've heard good things about it. And um, yeah, it's just exciting because I know that you know with Seattle, like the crowds are still as good as they were back when we were playing those you know, sit-and-spins and Crocodile and, and those clubs yes. that, 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 out there. That we, we, uh, we, we still feel it when we go out there, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. There's these zones in the world, too, like, you know, that that's Pacific Northwest, you know, Scotland and, and some places in South America where you, you, you just know these, these crowds are especially know what it's like to come to a rock and roll show and bring that energy. Mm-hmm. And I need it because we don't have a set list. So I, I need that feedback, you know, and when I don't get it at times, I don't know really what to do up there. I kind of stand up there, you know, fumbling with my th- thumbs or what do you call that? I you was know, just standing there. I, I don't, okay. I don't know what to do next <laughs> because is this crowd watching a movie or something? I, I, I don't is there popcorn being served? I, I can't, I can't figure out what's So you, you, I, have, I need that. I mean, and, and if they keep feeding it back, I'll just keep going as long as they want. It's that's, that's a vibe I get up in, uh, up in those shows in Seattle.
1: So when you say you have no set list, do you have to have in the back of your mind? Okay. My band does know this song though. Like, I mean, cause, cause you have a, a huge discography of music.
2: Maybe not. I mean, the, awesome. the, <laughs> the funny thing was I, I remember a few years ago, we, uh, when we had the two bands, we had an all-male band and all-female yep. band. And, tour, and, and Fats Kaplan was the fiddle player and the steel guitar player in the male band. And he um, he would say, Jack, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks because the crowd doesn't know. They doesn't know these things that you're pulling out that we have not rehearsed and that we're playing along with you. They think we rehearsed this. And they think that this is something that we spent weeks <laughs> rehearsing. And they, they don't realize that this is something you're just doing off the cuff. And I said, well, that's a testament to you guys, how good you guys right. are but also it's not my problem, man. You
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, the two records, uh, fear of the dawn uh, that comes out April 8th and then entering heaven alive, which is on uh, July 22nd. And uh, before I let you go, I know you got to get going. I just have one silly question. I got to ask you, yeah. when's the first time that you realized that seven nation army has become like the marching band song of choice for like every
2: college football game. And that's gotta be yeah. a surreal feeling. Um, I absolutely love it every single time. And it's funny, you know, friends and family often too, there'll be a game on it and, and somebody, the crowd will start chanting it on television and, and people in the room, someone will say, hey, hey, Jack, <laughs> stop, listen. You know, it's, it never fails. It, it always excites us. Uh, and it, it's great because, yeah, when did I first know, you asked. I think it was, you know, after the soccer world, really embraced it first we started to get it came over to america a little bit more like that in, in crowds and, and we started to get requests for marching bands to put to make sheet music out of it and that was a sign from a, a strange era a world of of, of the music business is when someone's requesting to make sheet music of your song there's like whoa that means something's going on here with that that was that was a telltale sign that something was changing if a high school band is asking to make sheet music of it there must be something about this track <laughs> right something yeah. special about
1: it right absolutely i mean yeah. you're like okay we're gonna hear we will rock you and we're we're going to hear Seven Nation Army. That's pretty good yeah. company to be in. Not bad. Not bad. Dude, thanks for taking a few minutes out. Uh, like I said, I could just spend the entire time just telling you how awesome you are. and uh, uh, But yeah, I, I hope you had a good time chatting and uh, looking yeah. forward to hearing both records. Uh, I can't wait. Get, and, and they both have a different vibe from what I hear. It's uh, one's more like the Entering Heaven Alive has a more chill vibe, similar to yeah. the song Love is Selfish is what, what I hear.
2: Yeah, the, the second album is a lot more mellow. and Nice. Um, so, yeah. But either, you know, we're going to be playing tracks from both of them. I really can't wait to come out and play in Seattle. And it's going to be great. Great shows we're all super pumped we're rehearsing right now and it feels so great
1: awesome i can't wait to see you my man and uh, have a great day and congratulations on uh, already the, the two great songs that we've heard from these records and i look forward to hearing more
2: thank you steve and thanks to your station for for playing my music and supporting it. i appreciate it thank you again that's jack white at climate pledge arena
1: on june 8th and that is yet another episode of the megacast follow us on twitter at the megacast and we'll be back next week see ya